Well, hey everyone, it's Candace Eisner back with you again this week. And in this week's episode, which is the first in my little mini series on money and finances, we're going to be talking about money mindsets and the things that might be holding you back in your business. Welcome to Life Beyond the Massage Table, a podcast for massage therapists, or really anyone who works in health and wellness. I'm here to help you take a look at your business and practice in new ways, to think outside the box, and to shift gears from the same old stuff that isn't helping you build the life and the business that you really want. Let's get started. Hey, well, I hope everyone out there is doing well. As I'm recording this, this is early April of 2021, if we can believe that. And uh, yeah, you know, it seems like a good time of year to talk about finances and money since, you know, it's like it's tax time. It's the time that we're kind of going through line items, the things that we purchase for our business and all that kind of stuff. So it seems like the right time of year to talk about finances and money and all that kind of stuff. Although, to be honest with you, I think this is a topic that most of us or all of us really as business owners, uh, entrepreneurs, private practice people, that kind of stuff should really be thinking about more often than just once a year. It's really a topic that we should be talking about more often and more freely. Um, I know money and finances are a bit of a taboo topic for a lot of us. And um, well, we'll get into more about that whole taboo thing in a minute as I as I launch into the actual uh, heart of this episode. But uh, yeah, today we're going to be talking about money mindsets and working to change what's holding you back in your business and from having you know, the, the business that you you dream of having, the life that you hope to have, right? Um, and I wanted to start out by reading you all a quote from Mina B. Now, who's Mina? Well, she's a writer and a licensed therapist and has an amazing Instagram account that I highly recommend to all of you. My newsletter subscribers know what's up because I linked to her back in, I think it was the December, like end of 2020 newsletter. She has really great content. And this post that she shared just a few days ago really relates to what I'm going to talk about with you today. So let me let me quote her. So first, well, first off, let me let me just say, if you want to actually follow her Instagram account, her username is M-I-N-A-A underscore B, so Mina B. Um, and uh, I'll link to her in the show notes as well, just to make sure that we cover our bases here. But this is the post that she shared a few days ago. She said, A reminder that is okay to want more for yourself, and that does not mean you are ungrateful for what you have. Growth allows us to lean deeper into our potential, which makes room for evolving. Stepping into wholeness will lead us to take up more space, and that is okay. And of course, she wrote more in the the commentary that she wrote with this, with this image that has text on it, um, which I highly recommend you just go look at for yourself, definitely. Um, Now, let me be clear here. She wasn't talking specifically about money and finances with this post, but it absolutely relates to this topic as it has to do with mindsets around like growth and setting goals and allowing yourself to do the things that you need to do in order to achieve things for yourself, right? But okay, let's pause here for a second, because before we continue with this episode, I felt that I needed to say something up front. So I've got this big thing in my show notes, you know, that are like for me as I'm as I'm talking to you all to make sure that I don't forget to cover this, because I think this is really important. And I just want to emphasize this. Money and finances are a tricky topic. And, you know, (laughs) 
I'm doing a three-part series on this tricky topic that, you know, is a bit taboo and we have difficulty talking about it. And I know it can be emotional for some people for many reasons. And because a lot of us were brought up in environments where it was a taboo topic. I've already said that a few times this episode already. So it can be hard for us to talk about and really lean into and really like be transparent about. So let me be a million percent clear here on the purpose of this episode. What I'm going to be talking about are the underlying beliefs or thought patterns that many people, and I find this to be especially true in healthcare and wellness careers like massage therapy, it's things that many people struggle with when it comes to money and earning an income. But I also know many people are struggling financially, especially right now. So please know, When I say we're talking about mindsets, I really do mean we're talking about mindsets. Mindsets are related, but a completely separate issue. Well, not completely, but they are separate from the reality of the difficulties of earning an income and paying the bills. Okay, so on that note, I'm acknowledging that this episode is not about like ways to tackle debt or The fact that people have lost income due to COVID. I talked about that in some episodes last year, and I will talk about it probably a little bit as the series goes on, but it's not specifically what we're talking about today. Or in general, like how to balance your books and how to like pay off your credit card and all those things. We're not talking about like the brass tacks, how to do things. This is not action items, okay? As well, And this is important. I'm not going to discuss other issues that can really impact somebody's ability to earn an income. And I want to acknowledge this. It's things like racism, sexism, anti-transgender attitudes, other forms of discrimination, right? This isn't because these issues aren't important. They are really important. And if you are cisgender, if you are white, if you are male, um, please Educate yourself on these things because it's important things for us all to understand. But again, we're focusing on mindsets today. So I just wanted to say that very clearly off the bat is that I acknowledge that people are dealing with these issues. I am not going to tell you all, oh, hey, everyone can just do what I do and suddenly the money will be flowing. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not, I promise I'm never going to say something like that. Okay. That would be BS for me to tell you, oh, just change your mindset and then suddenly you'll be financially like perfect and be able to afford everything you ever wanted. Like, no, I am not going to feed you that. So simply today, we're going to cover some stuff from my perspective as a business owner and former massage therapist, and we're going to continue on through two more episodes about this stuff. So all that said, I do believe that most of us do have some difficult feelings and mindsets and things we grew up with and that kind of stuff around money that we can change. It's things we can change, you know, and that will help us move our businesses forward and find more success. So we're going to talk about that part for today. So in thinking about this episode, I really felt that there were kind of three categories that people struggling with money and the mindset around money specifically fall into. The first category is they don't believe they're worthy of earning a good income. The second category is they believe that people in their career offering the type of service that they do shouldn't charge much because that's just not what people who do what they do 
do, right? Like healers don't charge a lot of money. Healthcare people don't charge a lot of money. That kind of mindset idea. And the third thing is they come from a background or a culture where money is just not talked about or is like a super taboo topic. And people have a, oh, well, you should just be grateful you even have a job kind of mindset. So do you relate to any of these three? For some people, it might be just one. And honestly, for a lot of people, it might be two or even three of them. Myself, I can relate to all three of those on some level. And certainly at one point in my life, I probably did kind of tap into all three of those. So let's dive into some of this. So the first thing I want to say is something that maybe some of you need to hear, and that is you deserve to earn a living full stop. Just because you want to be in a helping career, quote unquote, does not mean that you need to give up your right to earn an income for yourself. It's okay to earn a good living. There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay to have dreams and goals around money and around your income. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. And if somebody tells you, oh, you're, you're just reaching or you're just trying to be like so-and-so or whatever, like, no, you know, you can do what you want to do. Or at least you have the right to do what you want to do, right? Now, I want to acknowledge here, money's not the end-all be-all of a good life. Like, let's be clear, you know. I think if you've listened to this podcast episode in the past, you know that I'm all about balance, like doing things from the heart, not like working yourself to the bone. Hustle is not a word that I particularly like simply because it kind of lends itself to that mindset of work, 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 and almost never take time for yourself to do other things, getting obsessed with work. And then, of course, mental health is really important. So we try to avoid things like burnout. Or like working so hard that we, we simply can't function anymore mentally because we put too much of ourselves into the work that we do. But that said, money is something we do need in this world. It's something that we've just decided as humans, and at least the vast majority of societies on the, on the planet, that we need. So it's okay to earn a, an income. It's okay to earn a good income. However, in order to do this, It might mean turning down some clients who are more interested in haggling over your fees than they are on the actual treatment or service that you provide, right? Or it might mean telling your colleagues or friends that like, sorry, your negative attitude towards earning an income is not welcome here. There's the door, you know, or like, please stop texting me about this. (laughs) And so what if you charge more than the guy down the street or don't want to do extra work for free? So what? If somebody's telling you, oh, you know, you should be doing this, you should, you know, no, not necessarily. (laughs) Depends what the should is. But most of the time, no. Stop comparing me to other people, please. And speaking of that, actually, it is not okay to allow people to ignore your boundaries or demand things from you and steal your time. So women, especially, I'm not saying you guys out there or people of other genders um, don't experience this, you know, You do, but I'm just saying in the past, at least historically, it's been females who've had to deal with this kind of stuff. And it's women who make up the majority of people in health and wellness careers. So this is actually the part that I have kind of the most to say about here is the the boundaries and people um, respecting you and not stealing your time. 
So being in health and wellness does not equal giving away things for free. Yes, there are people in dire need of treatment who cannot afford it, but that does not mean you have to be the person to provide it. Let me say that again. There are people in dire need of treatment or the service that you provide, but that doesn't mean you have to be the person to provide it. There are organizations in pretty well all major cities and also in lots of smaller areas as well that aren't like in a major city that do work in this area to make sure people have the care that they need. So you can refer people to those services. Obviously, if it's appropriate, of course, um, just sort of don't willy nilly refer people. But yeah, you know, you can refer people to those services, even if there's a wait list, like just that is outside your control. You don't have to feel guilty because there is a wait list for a service, you know, and suddenly start charging nothing for your service simply so people can have access. Like, no, like that is unfortunate, but that is a separate thing. You can work to lobby to have more of those services become available. You can do other things to try and support that. But you don't have to actually take on the burden of doing discounted or free treatments simply to, you know, uh, accommodate people who can't get accommodated for the free or super low cost services that like the city or uh, nonprofit organizations, etc. provide. Do you see what I'm saying here? You can help the situation, but you don't have to take on the actual financial and mental burden yourself in terms of actually doing the treatments. I know that can be hard to hear. Because um, a lot of us want to just help people. I, I get that. I really do. I feel the same way. Um, even now that I haven't been actually like a hands-on provider in a number of years now, I still feel that way. I get it. But the reality is if you keep giving away your stuff for free or at super low cost all the time, you're going to burn yourself out. You're going to have to work way more hours in order to pay your bills. You may start to get resentful and understandably so, right? As you have a full day, yet you don't seem to be able to get ahead financially. Like you're constantly like in debt or like at the end of the month going like, oh, you know, I can barely afford groceries or whatever. You know, you don't want to put yourself in that situation. So we'll talk about fees and mindsets around that in a minute. But for now, I want to talk a bit about another issue when it comes to giving away things for free or doing things for free as a health or wellness provider. So here's a big example that um, I've heard many people talk about it, and I've seen it happen myself, especially back when I was still a massage therapist, a working massage therapist. So in some clinics, massage therapists are expected to do laundry reception and other things unpaid while other practitioners are not expected to do this. And this doesn't just happen to massage therapists, but it does seem to be very common in Canada, at least, that this is a thing. Now, before I continue, let me be very clear here so that I don't have a bunch of clinic owners coming after me, emailing me going like, what are you talking about? Okay, it's different if everybody pitches in equally and that's the vibe and you knew that going into it. Now, preferably it should be in everyone's contracts so that it's, it's like equal and everyone knows, you know, you're, everyone's supposed to pitch in equally to help with laundry and reception and cleaning and all those things. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, that's common at like, say, massage therapist run and massage therapist only clinics, where everybody takes turns doing things. Um, people take turns answering the phone, people take turns doing various tasks around the office. That's, that's fine. If you know that going into it, if, if everybody actually does pitch in, and it's not just expected that the new therapists do it all. 
That's totally fine. So please, clinic owners who have setups like this, please don't come for me, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. Again, I'm going to emphasize this as long as it was agreed upon and everybody is aware of it and everyone truly is pitching in, okay? It's shared labor that's agreed upon in exchange for having access to the space and cross-promoting each other's services and all that kind of stuff, cross-promoting each other's treatment styles, okay? That is fine. If that's agreed upon, it's in the contract and you're comfortable with you know, all the uh, arrangements that have been made around that. Also, another thing that you often see is in clinics is um, the expectation that a therapist be there full time, regardless of whether or not they have clients booked. So it's OK if they suggest to you that you be there for walk-ins. You know, I mean, back when walk-ins were a thing, here in Canada, they're still not because of COVID. In other countries, they may be. Um, just, you know, again, always adjust what I'm saying to your local area and what is going on with COVID. But we're going to assume that sometime in the not-so-far-off future, walk-ins will be a thing again, okay? But nobody should be demanding you're there. It should be a suggestion only. That's totally fine. If you're okay with that, cool, cool. You know, I mean, that's, that's not a bad way to grow your practice, right? Similarly, if they request you give two weeks notice for vacations purely for their planning purposes, that's also cool. Not demanding that you get their approval for your vacation, simply asking you to please give two weeks notice just so they can plan around it. That's all. That's all they're asking. Totally respectful. That's cool. You know, you're respecting their business and they're also respecting yours. That's that's totally fine. I mean, obviously, they should give allowances for if something comes up, you have to take off suddenly due to, I don't know, oh gosh, a death in the family or something terrible happening. Ugh, we hate to talk about these things, but they do happen in life, right? But it shouldn't ever be a matter of them like giving you approval for your vacation, okay? Your vacation is your vacation. You do you. The problem here basically is some clinic owners want to treat you like an employee, but without the actual protections and payment that employees get. They want a lot of unpaid labor out of you for their benefit. And it's not equal to all practitioners at all. Like only the massage therapist in a multidisciplinary clinic are expected to do it. Or only the new therapist who doesn't have that many clients booked yet is expected to do it. That's not fair. That's not equal. That's not reasonable. Because they're not paying you for this time. So you're literally sitting there not seeing clients. You're like working your butt off doing like cleaning and all this other stuff. And you're not getting paid for it. Like, I'm sorry. No, that is a hard no. Okay. Do not allow clinics to do this. And the more therapists and the more practitioners that do this, the less you will see clinics trying to pull that and basically say like, we want to treat you like an employee, but not pay you and respect you like one. So honestly, to avoid all this stuff, you can go with a flat rent with little to no supplies included. You know, um, I've done that in the past when I was still massaging. Or you can find a clinic where everybody pitches in equally, like I was talking about before. You know, either arrangement is fine. You have to go with what you feel most comfortable with. Um, so but overall, you should have the control over what you're charging, your hours, um, when you're there, when you're not there. I mean, to a certain extent, right? Like if your contract says you're only allowed to be there certain hours because someone else is using the room other hours, that's fine. But there shouldn't be like a rule that you have to be there for all the hours that are available to you. That's not fine because that's your choice as a non-employee, right? So what does all this stuff have to do with money mindsets? Because I've just talked for several minutes all about 
you know, the setups that we often see in Canada, but I know that we see them in other countries as well in terms of, you know, um, people trying to take advantage of you basically and get you to do a bunch of work for free. So what's it have to do with money mindsets? Well, it's the idea that we seem to have as massage therapists and similar careers, like I've been saying all along, it's not just massage therapists, that we should be doing a ton of unpaid labor or it's just part of the job. Now, if you run your own clinic or you're doing straight rent, of course it's part of the job. That's caused like running your business. The labor goes into your bottom line and growing your business. But if you are putting in all that unpaid labor into someone else's business, like you might say, oh, well, they're my clinic, they're my clients. No, no, no. A lot of the time, like, yes, some clients will follow you if you end up going to a different clinic or opening your own place. But a lot of them will be loyal to the location and not necessarily to you. So please don't think of it that way. Be careful about that. But yeah, you should not be putting a ton of unpaid labor into someone else's business. That is not okay. That essentially amounts to volunteering. And this is not volunteering, proper volunteering. If you want to volunteer for a cause, go for it. Find a cause you love. Please do volunteer. You know, nonprofits need people. Definitely. Charities need people. But don't do unpaid labor just because people say it's expected, okay? Maybe if you're in school and you're a student and you're trying to get hours and that's the expectation, but otherwise do not do it. Don't let clinic owners take advantage of you. Don't have that mindset that this is just something that is expected because that's not okay. Put your foot down. So let's talk about something on a similar note that I hinted about a bit ago, and that is being a healer or healthcare provider or person in a wellness career, wellness provider, whatever mindset, like idea you have about it, what it is that you do, it does not mean that you should keep your prices super low so you can accommodate lots of people. It does not mean that you should do extra stuff for free, like we just said, but also things, doing things for free for your clients too, like, like adding an extra 15 minutes on people's treatments all the time because, oh, well, they just really needed it, you know? It does not mean you have to bow to people who say they cannot afford you so they'll just find someone else who charges less. Like, okay, fine. Let them go find someone who charges less. Sorry, you run a business. You charge what you are worth and stand your ground. Now, yes, of course, it has to be a reasonable fee. (laughs) Like, you have to charge what the market will support. If you work in a small town, you've done your research, and you know people are not going to pay you $120 an hour. Like, you've actually researched it. You're not just guessing. You know people are not going to pay $120. That's fine. Yes, people pay that here in Toronto, where I am currently. Um, They pay higher than that in some areas, actually, for a one-hour treatment. Um, But that's totally accepted. um, And it's not accepted in other places, right? If you tried to charge $120, $130, $150 for an hour massage in some small towns, they'd look at you like you were, well, like you were an alien or something. Um, and most, maybe you'd find a very small number of people willing to pay that. But overall, what I'm saying is, yeah, definitely charge what the market will support, but don't do this thing where you make your prices low because you don't want anyone to, oh, not be able to afford it. And because, oh, well, healthcare shouldn't cost too much. You know, wellness should be available to all that idea. And frankly, that's not fair to you. That mindset is not fair to you. You need to charge what you are worth. The right people will book in with you, okay? People who value what you do but can't afford it regularly, well, maybe you can find some system to do with them. Like do shorter treatments at a lower cost or have them come slightly less often or... Maybe you allow a very small number of discounted treatments. Again, 
boundaries. You have to put a boundary on this. Okay. But you allow a very small number of financially motivated people who truly can't afford it discounted treatments. Okay. Like once a month or something, these people can come in and see you for treatment at like, I don't know, $10 or $15 or whatever off your regular rate in order to make it more affordable for them. Say they don't have insurance and they, you know, it's hard for them to afford it, but they really do value what you do. That's totally, totally cool in those situations. Um, if you're in Ontario or any of the regulated provinces here in Canada, you have to document that stuff. But I mean, you, got, you guys know this. I don't need to tell you that. Um, if you're anywhere else in the world, you might want to document it in your, like your chart, your patient chart. Or if you're not in a profession that does charts, you might want to note it somewhere anyway, just so down the road, if something happens and someone's like accusing you of, I don't know, charging different rates to different people, then you have documentation like dating back to when you first allowed this person to have a discount. And the reason why you don't have to go into mega detail, just say due to finances, this person gets a discount. That's it. You don't have to go into detail. But overall, I'm just saying, don't get this mindset that because you are a healer, because you're a helper, because you work in health, that you have to charge low prices so more people can afford you. And so you're more accessible because that is just not true. And point. I hope that is clear to you all. So we've touched on this idea that you don't believe you're worthy of having an income. And I hope you're going to, if that's how you feel about yourself, I hope you will kind of sit down and think about that a little bit and go like, hey, what is it that uh, I believe about myself that makes me think that I'm not worthy of an income? Because you are definitely worthy of earning a good income, no matter what your profession is. Massage therapist, chiropractor, Reiki practitioner, shiatsu therapist, acupuncturist, whatever. I could sit here and name wellness and, you know, careers all day long, health and wellness careers. Um, But you are worthy of earning an income, full stop. And we've also talked about that idea that health and wellness providers shouldn't charge too much. And I hope that's clear. Charge what you are worth, full stop. And if you think you need to keep your, your prices low, your fees low, you don't. Please don't do that to yourself, okay? especially if you've taken a ton of extra education. My gosh, charge what you're worth, please. So now let's talk about that third thing I mentioned, which is coming from a culture or background where money is taboo and earning a good income is not always seen positively. So similar to not believing you're worthy of earning an income, the issue is really internal and something you need to look at on your own, like I just talked about a second ago with the the worthiness idea. So let me see if my own experience with this can help you a little bit, because sometimes hearing somebody else's story is, is helpful, right? So I grew up in a family where we didn't really talk about money or income or finances or anything like that. Now, sure, we talked a little bit about how important it is to save and not go into debt and being able to pay your bills on time, how education is important and helps us earn a good income later, get your education. I'm sure most of you have heard that at some point in your life. Basically, most of us are familiar with these things, whether we learned it at home or school or somewhere else. That doesn't mean it's easy or simple. It isn't. So not everybody has the same opportunities or is able to save as easily and so on. But it's stuff most of us got exposed to before the age of 18. Now, let me say this straight up. My parents both worked in financial jobs. Okay, so for for my privacy, I'm not going to talk too much about what they what they did for jobs. I may have talked about it a little bit in the past, but uh, both my parents worked in finance in, a, in various ways. So it's almost funny that 
beyond the basics, like again, you know, budget and save and don't go into debt and unless it's, you know, like reasonable debt, like buying a house or, you know, paying for education, which of course you pay off, etc. You all know what I'm talking about. This typical stuff. We didn't talk about money much at all in my family. We didn't talk about investing. We didn't talk about how to save other than, oh, you just have to do it. We didn't talk about the actual nitty gritty of budgeting. You know, again, budgeting is important, but we didn't actually talk about it. We didn't talk about how to do your taxes. We didn't talk about much of anything when it came to money, except for the stuff that like literally everybody has heard pretty much somewhere in their life, right? I didn't know what either of my parents made as their salary, and I still don't know. I didn't know, and I still don't know, how they were able to retire early before the age of 60, both of them, you know? How exactly they were able to do that. I understand the mechanics. I understand what happened um, situationally that they both decided to do that. Like, sort of why, what was going on in their lives and in the world at the time. But I don't understand how financially they were able to do it. Because they've never shared that stuff with me. Even when I mentioned to my dad, especially like, oh, well, you know, you're retired, so you're on somewhat of a fixed income, right? He'll go, oh, no, no, I'm not on a fixed income. We do well for ourselves. But then he doesn't elaborate. (laughs) It's always awkward when brought up. And I'm sure many of you can relate to this, right? Your families, maybe it's not the exact same story, but maybe your families like don't talk about money. That's the thing. Money's a taboo topic. We don't talk about real numbers and real world problems. Like I, I mentioned, you know, budgeting, like how to afford things, how to save towards anything, retirement, trips, literally anything. In our culture at large, it's considered inappropriate to compare salaries with your coworkers and friends. Heck, even in healthcare, whereas often on a percent split or some sort of like um, commission type thing. Not always. There's plenty of salary jobs in healthcare too. But there's a lot of, especially for massage therapists and self-employed people, which is the vast majority of you, you're not on a salary or a wage. You're on a commission or, you know, it's just straight up your clients are paying you if you own your own clinic, right? You own your own business. But yeah, it's encouraged for people not to compare numbers. You'd be surprised if you did, I think. In some situations, um, people assume that everyone has the same deal at their clinic. But then you find out, oh, hey, um, I'm on a 60-40 split, but this person that was just hired got a 65-35. Why? They're not even bringing anything extra. I've been here for two years. Why are they getting a better percent split? You don't know, right? It's probably because they were brave enough to ask for better. But does that make it okay? Not really. But yeah, you'd be surprised, just even in a single clinic, that uh, different people have different arrangements. And you know, and you assume that everyone has the same. And often you're encouraged not to share those numbers. I mean, I've worked places where both things have happened, right? Where people were encouraged not to share, and people were encouraged, like, it was very open. Like the clinic's policy was when you start out, you're always at XYZ percent split. And if there was like a ceiling number, that is like the max you pay out, that that's also the starting. And then when you've been there a while, then you can negotiate, right? But then, like I said, I was at other places where those things just weren't talked about opening, openly. And honestly, I think sometimes people are taken advantage of by that. I'm not saying all clinic owners and all people are doing that, but that certainly happens. 
And then on a similar topic, I don't know about all of you, but I grew up somewhere where jobs were very scarce a lot of the time. People were just grateful to have a job. Like, I'm not joking. Yes, sometimes people were in a position to be able to turn down a job that was less desirable to wait for something better to come along. Maybe they had some savings. Maybe um, they were still living uh, with their parents. Maybe their partner had a really good job and they were able to squeeze by for another few months while they waited for something better, that kind of thing. But a lot of people honestly just took what they could get. And I want to be clear here. I'm not saying ignore the reality of your situation. If you are in that situation where... It is really hard to find a position doing what you do. Like, let's say you want, uh, you don't feel comfortable working for yourself 100% and just renting and you want to do it on a percent split or whatever. There's literally only one clinic for miles. And that clinic does not have a good reputation or whatever. And like, you don't like the idea, but for now, that's the situation and you're just going to kind of grit your teeth and wait it out for a few years. I get it. I'm not telling you, oh, well, you should just move and blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to do that. Okay. But what if your situation changes and you do have more opportunities around you? You can afford to turn down a job or a client or work in general, working at a specific clinic, whatever, to get something that's a better fit for you. Well, a lot of us who just grew up in the just be grateful that you even have a job environment would really struggle with that, believe it or not. You know, if you're someone who didn't ever have to struggle with that, believe it or not, it's really hard, you know? We think we have to take a job or they treat you badly because, oh, hey, we should just be grateful and we stick around jobs long past when we should leave because we were taught that loyalty was important and it would quote unquote pay off in the end, which isn't always true, unfortunately, and so on. Seriously, seriously, you do not have to take a job just because it's offered. You don't have to stay at one place if they are treating you badly, they're not compensating you well, they're not giving you good clients, whatever the situation is. Move clinics, open your own private practice, team up with a friend and do mobile services, whatever you can do that would be a good fit for you, your family and your income, do it. Yes, like I said, in very short term, you have to kind of put up with something while you put things into place to do something different. Totally fine. I get it. Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do to pay the bills. Okay. But have in your mind, I deserve better than this. So I am going to work towards, on my off hours, I'm going to work towards putting into place something different. Like I said, mobile services with a friend, opening a clinic the next town over, whatever, whatever it is, whatever it is you want to do and, and feels good to you and feels right, do that. And in general, let me, let me wrap up this episode with this. Take the time to educate yourself on financial topics no one ever talk, taught you about. This is other, also about money mindsets because we... Sometimes with money, we get so afraid of it, right? It's such a taboo topic that we're afraid to like talk about credit card debt. We're afraid to talk about salaries or, you know, again, a lot of us aren't on salaries. We're afraid to talk about what percent split we have or, you know, how much money we made last week or whatever. We're very much afraid of these topics. I was just talking with my husband about this the other day because we were filing our taxes and, and he had to call um, CRA, the Canada Revenue Agency, which is our like our tax man here in Canada. He just had to call to ask a question. And he said, like, the person, he had to actually talk to two separate people. He said they were both very lovely. They were great. He was really grateful for their help. 
But like most of us have this mindset that like the tax man is bad and they're going to like yell at you or something. That's not the reality. But because again, this is a financial thing. So we get this thing in our minds, even sometimes when it comes to dealing with the bank, people have this thing in their mind like, oh God, they're gonna treat me poorly. They're gonna be rude to me. Yes, sometimes that does happen, but oftentimes it's not as bad as we think it's going to be. So in general, take the time to educate yourself on financial topics no one ever talk, talk to you about and don't feel embarrassed to ask questions, honestly. If somebody's treating you like you're an idiot, ask someone else. They're an idiot for treating you like an idiot. Be open about your financial situation a little bit more. Don't get taken advantage of. Don't like just literally spout out numbers in your social insurance number or um, what's it called in the U.S.? social security number I think it's called anyway don't don't go spouting out stuff that obviously is private information I think you guys know that but certainly fine to be a bit more open about things with people talk about these things because then that's how we reverse things that's how we we reset some of these mindsets in our mind about money that's how we make things more open topics and they become less scary right in general, there's a ton of free or inexpensive information out there on how to set yourself up for financial success. Success, one thing I can tell you guys about, there is a piece of software, I think I've talked about it in the past, quite a while back, it's called uh, You Need a Budget or YNAB, just Google that, I'll try to remember to put in the show notes for you guys as well. Um, that's one way that you can budget and some people really love it. Um, here in Canada, we also have a service called Mint. I don't believe it's, maybe it is available in the US. And we look up Mint, which is run by uh, the same people who do TurboTax, I believe. And then um, even a spreadsheet. If you prefer, honestly, that style, like you really don't like the idea of having to whole, do a whole other software and you'd rather just open up, you know, a spreadsheet, Google Docs spreadsheet and start recording things. Okay, that's fine. If that works for you, go for it, honestly. So in general here, what I'm trying to say is your upbringing, your culture, the attitudes of others around you, etc. That stuff does not have to hold you back on having financial success. Do not let that stuff dictate how you earn and spend your money. Do what you need to do for your situation that's right for you and your family. And overall, give yourself permission to have success. Give yourself permission to move forward financially. Give yourself permission to shed any labels you put on yourself like, oh, I'm in debt or oh, I will never achieve a good income or oh, whatever. Do not let those labels like live in you, okay? So yeah, hopefully this was helpful to some of you talking about money mindsets. I know it's a bit of a um, nebulous maybe is a good word topic because it really has to do with mindsets and not like the the getting down to the nitty gritty steps to take when it comes to finances. But I honestly think this is the biggest topic when it comes to money and success is get, looking at patterns that you have, looking at mindsets that you have, um, and trying to chip away at some of those things that we've been taught or um, others have kind of put on us. Um, so yeah, I wish you all absolutely fabulous financial success, no matter what it is you want to do. Honestly, um, you define success for yourself. I just, I've said that many times um, in the past. I don't think I said it yet this episode. I want to be clear on that. Um, success does not mean six figures necessarily. It can if that's what you want. But success can just mean, you know, putting away money for a rainy day and uh, being able to take a vacation a couple times a year once, you know, vacations are a thing again <laughs> or whatever. 
Um, it doesn't have to be defined by anyone else is what I'm saying. But uh, don't let yourself um, lean into other people's uh, thoughts around money. Don't let yourself be labeled by other people's attitudes and beliefs around money. Look at your own beliefs and see what it is that might be holding you back from building the business that you want, from having the income that you want. And uh, yeah, until next week, which we will have another um, episode about money. Take care and um, I'll talk to you guys soon. Hey, well, thank you so much for listening today, everyone. I really appreciate your time and the fact that you decided to join me in listening to this episode. Show notes are now available for podcast episodes and they contain links to helpful resources and other information. So please do head over to happylittlebiz.com and check out the reading link. I've got show notes for individual episodes there as well as articles on other topics for building a happy health or wellness business. Also, if you'd like to learn more about me, my background in healthcare and wellness, as well as, you know, what I'm doing with this current business, my website is the best place to do that. And I've also got links to my social media over there if you'd like to follow me. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. And again, my website address is happylittlebiz.com. All the information is there. Now, while I got you, I'd like to mention I truly do appreciate it when people leave me a rating and or depending on what you want to do, review over on iTunes. So if you like this podcast, let me know by doing that. Just look up Life Beyond the Massage Table on iTunes and then click that Ratings and Reviews tab to leave your own rating or review or both. Okay, that's it for this week. I'm sure you have other things to do, so I'll let you get to them. Have a wonderful rest of your day and here's to building a sustainable, small health or wellness business all on your own terms. Talk to you soon.